Hi, I'm Reagan, and thanks for listening to my dad's podcast, Lasting Learning. Hi, this is Dave Schmidow, the host of the Lasting Learning Podcast. On this show, we talk to real people with real stories. We focus on the focus and discuss what matters most. Let's go. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Lasting Learning Podcast. I am so glad you're here, and I know in just a second you're going to be glad you're here as well. Today, I have a guest who I am just over the moon excited to have on the show. This is a woman who I have been uh, kind of following on social media for a while. A good friend of mine is a good friend professionally and personally of hers. And if he is willing to vouch for her, then she is A-OK in my book. So today, we've got the friend of Brian Mendler, the friend of Dave Schmidt. We've got Lindsay Titus joining us from New York. Lindsay, thank you so much for being here. You are so welcome. Thank you for this opportunity. Oh, I am so excited. Your story is amazing, and it's powerful, and it's moving, and I'm just, I'm ready to unpack it and uh, share <laughs> it with the it. world. Do, do you mind just taking a minute and introducing yourself to the world other than my friend and Brian <laughs> Mendler's friend? Who are you? Who, who are you? Absolutely. And I, and I love that question. And I will start with that because I hated that question for so many years. (laughs) So I, (laughs) so I am Lindsay Titus. I am a board certified behavior analyst living in Rochester, New York. And beyond that though, I truly am a lifelong educator. So I think for me, that is where my true passion lies in just teaching, whether it's teaching my daughter, whether it's teaching staff that I work with, whether it's teaching myself a new skill or something new. Um, I am the founder of Define University, which is my educational business where I teach teachers to do just that and define who they are by looking within, not by the role that they might serve or who they might interact with. It has to come from within first for any strategy, anything out there to work. I, I, told, I wholeheartedly believe in that trust factor within yourself. And um, so that is what I do. I am a, I'm a behavior specialist for a, a local school district, um, as well as running that business, and um, as well as being a mom, wife, friend, <laughs> all of those things. And um, I'm just really excited to be able to share my voice with the world. I think that's, that's our superpower, is our story, it's our voice, and however we can share it in whatever way, to me, that's, that's the beauty of just of, of everything right now, of <laughs> what we yeah. need to do. That's so good. So a behavior analyst, um, I'm going to have you break this down for me a little bit. I can only imagine that at times it's, it can be frustrating for you because you're always analyzing the why behind everybody's actions. Like nobody ever does anything just spontaneously. There's always a reason behind it. Do you find yourself always getting inside of somebody else's head and trying to figure out their triggers? I absolutely do. Mostly mine. (laughs) And uh, so, yes, but absolutely, because I know it's coming from somewhere. And so it's really hard for me to just 
spontaneously interact with someone or just have a good time with someone until I get to know them, until they're, until I'm close with them. And I can really stop analyzing and actually just start hearing and listening to what they're saying. And, and that goes for me too. One of my, one of my coaches that I, that I work with continually tells me, stop analyzing, stop getting so bogged down with the details. And I'm like, you realize that's like my middle name. That's like what I do. Um, but I believe that. I believe there has to be, there's, there's room for this clinical lens, but there has to just be this room for flexibility and for fun and for engagement. And um, that's been a big, big that I've absolutely had to work on. But yeah, I'm always, and, and, and whenever anyone finds out what I do, their behavior changes like immediately. Right. Even if it's just like a social, I meet them out. They all, and I'm like, you don't have to change. I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm not, I'm like, but that's what Well, you now do. I am. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm trying to figure out what you're trying to hide. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so you, you mentioned that you're a mom. You got a soon to be six-year-old. Yes. Um, I can only imagine with a behavior analyst for a mom, she's like amazingly perfect because you are able to just diagnose and treat every little misbehavior. <laughs> Is that accurate? Or uh, do you lose your mind because there are some things you just, you look at and say, I don't understand this. Yes. Well, it's, it's a little bit of both. I can understand it, but I, I definitely, that pressure of being a mom oversees it. So I miss a lot of the cues and I, and actually, so my daughter very much like me is a worrier. Um, she has worries. She gets really nervous, really fast. Um, and so it was one thing that I worked on for a really long time with her. And finally, when she went to kindergarten, I said, all right, your turn. <laughs> I need to just be mom. I need to, and, and I say just with, with a whole emphasis behind it because there's a lot that goes into that role and I needed somebody else to take that lens so I could just, it's, it's you know, mom-daughter time. It's not me trying to always, you know, we're always teaching, but I needed, so I needed to kind of be, be a partner with somebody else. Um, but she knows what I do. She knows what I do for a living. She will say, my mom is a behavior specialist and my mom is a behavior analyst. And she knows that. So she knows if, and when I start talking about a behavior she did or something I'm doing, something I'm trying to change, she, she will hold me accountable. So much so I went to make coffee a little bit ago and she said, mom, you're trying to drink more water. You need to you need to go get your water bottle, and I was like, man, I can't I can't get away from it. So <laughs> that's awesome. So how did how did you decide that this was going to be the line of work you wanted to go into? Was it something you've always kind of just been innately curious about? Yeah. So teaching, yes. Behavior, no. Okay. <laughs> um, I grew up. So I moved. Actually, I was born in Canada. And my family moved to Buffalo, New York when I was in second grade. And my second grade teacher is that teacher for me, that teacher that I think a lot of kids have as to, if you do go into teaching, that's the reason why, for, for the positive. Um, she was that teacher for me. I came, I came from Canada with a pretty strong accent, was quickly made fun of by a lot of the kids. So I learned to be quiet. I learned that, well, I'm just gonna not share anything because then they can't make fun of me. And um, she really got my voice to shine that year in just multitude of ways by being quiet, but she knew that I could write. She knew I liked to write things out. She knew that if her and I had a private conversation, we could talk about it. And um, so that she was that reason of me wanting to go into teaching. Fast forward all the way through, I did my student teaching and I had decided just on, the, on a whim, actually as a, as a recommendation from one of my professors to do dual, to do gen ed and special ed. And at that point, I was like, but I'm pretty convinced I'm going to go gen ed. Like, that's, that's where I'm feeling it. And he's like, just give yourself opportunities. You just never know. I was like, okay. 
clearly he saw something in me because once I did my first practicum in, in a special ed classroom, I was like, I'm sold. That's it for me. And that's kind of where things went. And then I graduated. I was lucky enough to, I had a job offer at this one of the schools that I student taught at. And that first year happened and I was like, what did I get myself into? I had a class of four students and I couldn't figure it out. It was, there were four students that were brought in from outside districts and we just recreated. But my classroom was a kindergarten and first grade classroom in a fourth grade hallway with fourth grade furniture, fourth grade materials, and I was just lost. And um, actually that's how I met Brian. He was my college professor that year. He came into my classroom to help me out and you know, since then, behavior has always been that, why do kids do that? What's going on? What else can I do? And what led me to go down the BCBA path is I, I was so stuck on, I had done what I had learned in class, in my one behavior management class in college, and it just wasn't working. I wasn't able to utilize the strategies that I knew, so I'm like, I've gotta be missing something. And so I went back to school. I consider myself an <laughs> avid lifelong learner. Uh, I went back to school. I obtained my BCBA. And I've really, since then, I got out of the quote-unquote direct teaching role. And I've really been doing behavior consultation um, for a variety of schools. I've worked residential. I've worked in-home private therapy. And now I'm back to working in a public school. Oh, well, first of all, God bless you. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I spent a little time as a principal at a school in Florida. And in Florida, there's a designation for students, a label um, for some students that they throw on them. It's EBD, Emotionally Behavioral uh, Disability or Disturbance, depending on which person you're talking to. And my elementary school had EBD self-contained preschool classrooms and self-contained EBD K-5 classrooms. Mm -hmm. And those teachers that teach in those classrooms, uh, I mean, I'm going to get the philosophy and whether or not I agree or disagree with the whole premise of self-contained all that out. Out of, the, out of the way, but the teachers that are in those classrooms are absolute godsends because they are not just teaching content. They're not just plowing through pacing guides and curriculum. I mean, they, they have some intense jobs where every day they're managing whether or not desks are gonna get flipped over at them, whether they're gonna get cussed out by six-year-olds, whether or not a stapler is gonna be thrown across the room. I mean, it's, it is intense. Mm -hmm. um, is that where, where your world kind of is right now? Are you? in those kinds of environments, in those classrooms, working with uh, teachers with those kinds of needs? Or are you sprinkled out through gen ed classrooms looking at clip charts and things like that? So I do, it's, it's kind of all of the above. So right now I am, um, I am used more in a consultant type role for where I work, so which I, I love actually because I get to I'm not I'm not everywhere, but I am everywhere. So I get to kind of tap into all different things. So I work very closely with our self-contained classrooms. I also do help support Gen Ed teachers with students in uh, in their classrooms. I run trainings. I do uh, you know a monthly newsletter for my staff. It's really my goal is always the whether I'm at work or not. It's always the ripple effect. I don't want anyone to be dependent on one person, on seeking one person or trying to copy one person. I want someone to do it their way using the strategies and knowledge that you know, I'm teaching. And so that's really what I aim to do is that I aim to see, allow a teacher to see confidence in their ability using their strengths, using their story, teach them how to connect with kids that maybe don't seem that they can connect with, build that relationship and then use the strategies. So it's a little bit of everything 
Um, and I, I'm grateful our schools have really solid teams to begin with. And then so they work as a team and then I'm often called in if as the team, they're kind of like, well, we have we considered this or what have we thought about this to really give that neutral lens since I'm not housed in any of the district or any of the school buildings. Um, so it allows me to really stay creative, stay kind of on the ball and really think outside the box for some of those kids that really just the traditional models aren't working. Do you, do you think having that consultation model helps you maintain sort of an objective lens when you're coming in as an in that analyst role? Because I know at times some teachers that they they start to look at things subjectively and, and they start to own things personally, good, bad, or ugly. And it's sometimes it's the kid is bad or they start to own it themselves and think I'm just a horrible teacher or whatever the kid. And you can come in kind of as a fresh lens. Um, does that help? Does it hurt? Do you wish you were housed within a, a classroom or building or do you like the fact that you kind of travel for me I like traveling now granted if you catch me on a day where I've been at six schools I might sit in the snow and the cold and the rain I might say give me one um, but I really do and I really love the ability that I get to sometimes be that validation I get to be that outsider even though I'm, I'm inside coming in and saying you're doing a great job you're doing all you know these things and here let, you know, let's look at it this way, or I can present those coaching questions and really create a relationship mostly with the adults. And that is something, you know, one of those things I went into teaching thinking I was going to love working with kids and I was going to be, you know, front and center, so to speak, in terms of a classroom. And what I actually found is I, I, I love the behind the scenes role. I love doing the, you know, the observations, the observing, looking through the, the data and the analysis and really training and modeling. And I love that aspect. And I think that's just really important. I, I kind of pushed that for a long time. So I was like, no, I went to school to be a teacher. I should, I should want to be a teacher. And, you know, one of my taglines is get out of shouldville. Because if you're living in shouldville, you're doing it for somebody else. And I think I tried that for so long and it just didn't work. And so for me, I, I love it. I love going, we have 10 schools. I love going to all the schools. I love working K through 12th grade. I just love, you know, every aspect of getting to really, hone in my expertise and my experience so that I can meet the needs of whichever staff may need me on any given day. That's good. So, you know, oftentimes uh, we talk about reaching every kid and you throw a tagline, so I'll throw one of my taglines and I'll say the only way to reach every kid is to reach each kid. And I feel like that's what you're kind of describing right now is that you don't go in with these universal practices. And I think oftentimes as teachers or maybe just Americans, we look for the answer as opposed to being okay with finding an answer. And, you know, maybe you go on Pinterest or Teach a Bay Teacher and you'll find a, a cool little uh, clip chart or you'll find a color wheel or a thumbs up, thumbs down sticker chart or something. You say that's the answer because Mrs. Jones or Mrs. Smith used it. Um, how do you balance that kind of mindset where truly everybody is going online right now and trying to find the answer for every kid with also trying to make things individualized and manageable for teachers? Yeah, I know. It's so, I actually put a post a couple weeks ago and I said, it's okay to say no to free resources <laughs> because I, I was feeling overwhelmed and I put free resources too. So I was like, you can say no to me too. It's okay. You know, I think, I think for me, I do use the, the tiered level, not in a sense of so specific, you know, 80% tier one, 20%, but I look at it that if, 
what you're doing is reaching the majority of your students, keep doing it. It's working for your students, right? What is your goal? What's your vision? I, I teach teachers all the time to make sure you have a mission statement for your classroom. What are the standards of your classroom? Because if, and I do that for my business, I do that for Define You, because what I was finding without those is everything sounds great. Just like you mentioned, right? Every resource is perfect and every resource you could find a use for, absolutely. But if we don't use what we have, it's not useful. It's, it ends up being cluttered, we feel overwhelmed. So for me, when I have those standards, I can easily say, does this fit in with my standard? And it's easily replicated in the classroom too. Does this fit with the type of teacher that I define myself as? And so I think for, for teachers right now, I think go as simple as you can and then we tweak for those one or two or three students that might need it. Because at the end of the day, if 80% of your kids don't, then you can keep doing what you're doing. And if you know 5% do, then we individualize for those kids at, for that time period. I think what often happens for me, especially for me, I'll come in and people have maybe a, a, a thought about what a behavior analyst does and they've seen other people and I'm very, I try and be very real. I try and be very real and I'm not gonna tell anybody what to do because if they don't feel confident in doing it, they're not gonna do it. And um, so I really work with the teacher to make sure, does this feel good in alignment with your classroom? You know, the strategy can stay the same. I don't need it to look this one way. How is it gonna work for this class? What is the student need? What is the need? What's the function? There's so many questions that come into play. And if we are looking for the perfect thing, it's just not out there, right? Anything could be the perfect thing. It depends on what is needed in that moment. So my, my biggest thing is start simple. And I even tell teachers, when you think you found simple, go one step beneath it. Go even simpler because we make it more complex and then we just, we don't want to do it because that's human behavior. <laughs> We're actually really all pretty lazy. <laughs> we want to do the simple things. That's, it's so true. And you said that so much more eloquently than I could have because <laughs> a, a month or two ago, I threw out a, a, a tweet or something on Instagram. I don't remember what platform it was, but I said, a focused leader says no to good ideas all the time. And I got so much pushback from that, from people mm -hmm. that said, no, no, no. People have good ideas, let them run with it. But I, I still stand pat with that. That I think oftentimes we're chasing just good and every little good thing. I mean, John Hattie, I'll bring out his research. I know he's been talked to death. And we see the graphics all over the place, even though nobody's actually read his stuff. But John Hattie, if you read his stuff, actually says 99% of the stuff we do in classrooms is good. But that doesn't mean it's the best thing for your kids. It is our obligation not just to go out there and find a treatment to give the pink pill and the blue pill because it could work. You don't just pop an aspirin every time you're feeling sick. You got to find the right cure for what's ailing you. you right. You've got to have that focused lens. Yeah. Um, I, I'm wondering through the lens of behavior analyst. Are you able to go into situations and have a strengths-based approach where you're looking for the gifts that people have and that, that thing that makes them tick? Or do you find yourself naturally gravitating towards, oh, there's a weakness that I need to try to bring up and elevate? So I started out, I, and I've been true, honestly, I started out that. I started out going in and immediately saying, well, this is what's missing. Yeah. This is what we don't have. This is what isn't in the classroom. And through coaching of my own, through having supportive administration that have supported me by teaching me, by saying, when you go in this way, this is how it's perceived. And I was like, oh, but that's not my intent. My intent was to help. My intent was to do this, um, you know, was to show them what could be. And I had to realize it's not my classroom. It's not my room. It's not my community. I'm a part of it. Absolutely. 
But so what I've learned is when working with a teacher is no different than working with a student. It's all about relationships. As soon as I can pair and I can build rapport with that teacher, we are more likely to have a dialogue, not an argument. We're going to have a conversation, not a power struggle. And so I use the same strategies I teach, I use with myself to make sure that I'm as effective as I can be because I really, in, in what I do each day, I really do look at myself as a coach. I'm not an administrator. I don't tell people, not that administrators tells them what to do, but I'm not that level. I'm a coach. This yeah. is what I do. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to provide suggestions. And at the end of the day, I'm going to do so in a way that it's working with the teacher, just like I want the teacher to work with the student. I don't want teachers just to tell kids what to do. We know, again, that's going to work for some of them. That worked for me in school. If you told me to do it, I was going to do it. My daughter's the exact same way, but I can find a number of kids that you say, go do this, and they're going the opposite direction. So if there's no relationship, just like if I don't have a relationship with staff, that's why why that challenge can happen. And I see that with teachers and, you know, paraprofessionals. I see that between administrators and teachers. That's why I think the notion of, you know, even relationships in general, I like to, let's, let's reduce that lens to what does that actually look like? How do we strengthen that? And I think you hit it a lot with, we have to hit on people's strengths first. Right. Because by naturally, I always say strengths lead to solutions. If you're mm-hmm. going to focus on a deficit, it's going to lead to resentment. Right. Because if you're focusing on what I can't do, I have no hope, no excitement, no desire to do it. If you're going to you know, show me what I can do, I'm going to use that and then I'm going to build where I, where I don't have those skill sets. That's awesome. It, you know, it's, it reminds me of the saying, what we do, they do. How we treat the adults is how the adults treat the kids. And you know, I'm, I'm thinking through the lens, you said you're not an administrator. And I think that's an advantage of yours because you don't have to go into classrooms and environments with a little clipboard, with the Danielson rubric or the Marzano rubric or whatever evaluation instrument is being used. I think oftentimes we train our administrators when they're using those rubrics to go in and truly do it from a deficit mindset. You look at where, this, where the teacher is on that rubric and you focus on the, those weaknesses to try to bring them up. We're so focused on making what's weak average as opposed to making what's amazing great. Mm-hmm. And then our teachers do the same thing for our kids. We have the expectation 100% on every assignment in every class to get the straight A's as opposed to saying, where's your passion area? Where's your right. gifts? Where are your strengths? And let's focus on those and grow them. Yeah. So I'm curious, Lindsay Titus, what is your strength? <laughs> that is a that is a great question. I, my strength is I can relate to really anybody. Really, you know, anybody that and, and relate in a way that I can really I have I think I've gotten really good at hearing what people are saying and not creating this assumption behind it. Mm. So really being able to listen and tailor whether I'm going into a kindergarten classroom and I'm going to provide assistance to kindergartner or switch gears and head on into a, a senior high school classroom and provide some, some content there, provide some, some assistance there. I think you know being able to stay extremely organized in my thoughts, I think is a huge part of my role and being able to switch very quickly while also being 100% intentional and present in the moment is, is a skill that, that doesn't, didn't come easily, but now that I've, I've learned to do it, um, it's something that, that gets me over that hurdle. It gets me to make those connections and gets me to really, um, you know, just help, help celebrate the success of our students, of our staff. Um, so that for me, that's where I think, you know, when people, 
let me know, like, this is what, you know, this is why I came to you. This is why I love you. This is what you helped me out with. It's, it's that simple approach, but it's being able to relate to the person that I'm talking with that I don't give just a scripted response. I'm not going to send, you know, here, try A, B, and C, and, and let me know how it goes. I'm going to be right there coaching you, teaching you, guiding you all the way through. Are you able to assume the good and doubt the bad? I mean, do you believe that everybody's truly doing things with the best of their intentions? I do. Yeah. I believe wow. everyone's doing the best they can with what they have where they're at right here, right now. That's like, there is no other way for me because yeah. that that's just it. It's the same with myself. What I do is exactly what was meant to be done for that moment. I've learned to, you know, it's, it's done is better than perfect. Just yeah. get it out there. And it's my goal. You know, I think comparison and competitiveness is can, can break a person down. And for me, the only person I'm comparing and competing against is me you know, being better today than yesterday and then learning through today to grow into tomorrow. That's what it's all about, you know, so. How does that work for you as a business owner? Uh, like as entrepreneur who's out there trying to make those inroads, you, you've got to play the comparison game, don't you? <laughs> yes, I do. You know, so yeah. So, but I think having those foundational truths to anchor yourself into, I think very easily our mind wanders all day long, mm. right? I can be <laughs> in, engaged in a really great conversation. I start, you know, I, I see pizza and I'm like, oh, I want pizza. Right? <laughs> I get distracted just like anybody else. But what happens is I've learned to have these foundational truths and anchors yes, so they yes. bring me back. So when I am doing my business and I start to compare myself to somebody that's way more established or has the credentials or has this many you know, followers or this many downloads, I have that moment and then I say, but they haven't done it by you. It hasn't been done by you. They haven't heard Lindsay's story. They haven't heard it through Lindsay's voice yet. So keep doing what you're doing because that's what I want, right? I think modeling is the best behavior strategy, one of the best behavior strategies we have. So if I can show other people how to show up even when they might be comparing, even when they might not feel like they're there yet or ready yet, then that's what I want them to do. I want them to take that risk. I want teachers to be risk takers, just like they're asking their students to be risk takers yes. every day. So yes, I just so remind good. myself and my mission and my vision and I bring it back, you know, and I, and I luckily have great mentors. I have accountability partners. I have an amazing family that keeps me grounded when I have, when I have those moments. Well, I think, I think that's, what you what you said that was kind of profound. Yeah, I, I watched Shark Tank and The Profit and all those reality shows about small businesses and how to make them better. But I just I made this connection to what you were just talking about to the actual classroom as well. I think having those foundational truths are is so important because it is tempting to chase the newest, shiniest, flashiest thing, whatever it is, or to try to be the jack of all trades to all people, as opposed to saying what is it that I stand for? What is that hill I'm going to die on? What is, what is my individual strength? Whether you're a classroom teacher or if, if you're a small business owner, you are an entrepreneur. You are out there selling an idea to people. The people might be six years old. The people might be 60 years old, but you're selling an idea. And you have to, to figure out what your core is. What is that thing that I think Dave Burgess says, or somebody says it where, what, what is it that you could sell tickets to? What is it about you that makes you a draw? And people don't want to admit it, but classroom teachers, you're entertainers. You really are. You are put on stage to perform for an audience and to get kids to buy what you're selling. And you have to own who you are in, on your stage and on your platform. Yeah. So when you're working with teachers, is that something you try to guide them through as well? Is who are they or are you just focused on the kid? 
No, absolutely. I, more, more times than not, we talk about, we talk about them as a teacher. That's my goal is to get them to be able to, I might start with the student because that's why I'm there. You know, I don't come in and, and start yeah. telling me, Hey, tell me about yourself and all of that. But I think in order to get, you know, again, it's not, it's not just, it's not about the one kid. I want to teach so that they can learn and, and really take it and go with it. Because if it's, if it's Johnny today, it's Sam tomorrow, it's this person the next day, right? And so I want I want to teach. I want to teach new skills. I don't want to just teach them so they say, okay, I'll do it, and then I walk away and it's not done. I want them to feel confident in it. And so and the only way to do that is to recognize what are their strengths? What are they looking for? What is their goal as an educator? Where do they see themselves? What is something they're looking to improve? Um, and I think all of those, and again, they're not, I don't do those all at, at one time. You know, I do them based on how I feel connected and how, you know, part of it is how often I can be in their room and I can be where they are. And, you know, and it's just done, it's done little questions at a time. You know, it's, I, I, I take notes galore, you know, I do post-its are my best friends because it's, it's remembering those things. So it's, if I go into a classroom and, you know, I hear the teacher's, daughter just had a baby i want to remember next time i go into that classroom ask about that baby ask about their kids ask about that well, i can't remember 10 schools worth of information so i write it down i take notes and before i go in the next time i review it so i know what questions to ask to again continue that that relationship and i hear that from teachers all the time how do i remember what to ask how do i remember you know who said what and this and i said you gotta write it down right, right? out of our heads and put it down and then use those notes if it's not used it's not useful so i think there's just little tricks and tips that we can use we just have to stay present enough to do it when we keep worrying about the future we forget where we're at right now i, I think that's so good my you know, it made me think of my dentist. And I actually had a conversation with my dentist about that very thing uh, last year. I went into the dentist. We, I only go see my dentist once every six months, right? And they've got hundreds and hundreds of patients. But I sat down and they had a conversation with me like, like we just talked yesterday. And they remembered what, else, what was going on with my job and my kids. And I said, how in the world do you remember this? And she just spun the computer screen. And there are all these notes. And she said, I just read this before I call you back. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is, it's so easy, but yet ingenious. That's what we need to be doing as educators. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. that's so good. So yeah, good. People see and they're like, well, she just has a really good memory. No, I have actually the worst. I just know how to read. <laughs> I just write it down. I have yeah. to write, I typically write down what we eat for dinner every night. Otherwise, I would probably make the same thing because <laughs> I am so focused on the present moment that once it's happened, I know what happened. It, it served me. It was experience. I learned from it. But I'm so focused on today. I'm so focused. It's one of the things that through my, the mindset work I've done, I, I say, I try, again, I try not yeah. to get distracted. I try and stay really focused in on what I'm doing because if I'm doing it with only like half of me, then I'm not really doing it. And so, but that can be mentally exhausting. It can absolutely. And so, but it's again, if I try and create this huge system and complex system to remember things, it's not going to happen. So it's, you just write it down, take a note, put it in a notebook and there you go. So simple always wins. <laughs> oh, it's, it is profound. I mean, even if I'm just thinking about like behavior management plans and systems where people are calculating points to earn the trinkets and they have to remember how many demerits and circles and pluses and stickers. I'm just, ah, I, you can't keep track be, between uh, morning and afternoon or first hour and third hour, let alone September to June. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah, simple. Just write things down. It's so easy. Yeah. And it goes, you know, behavior plans are one of the things that people love them or they hate them, right? Yep. They're very 
Same thing with reinforcement. If I, if I bring up reinforcement to some people, I get, you love it or you hate it. Um, but what I've learned is it's because it's how people define them. It's how people associate with them. It's what they've associated with them themselves. And I think, again, with plans, thinking back to what we talked about, if you have a class and you have eight plans, I'm not, I actually, I wouldn't look at the individual plans. If I was called in, I'd say, let's look at your class plan. Let's yeah. look at the class culture. Let's look at the class community. Where is engagement? Where you're, you know, if you've got that many kids needing a specific plan, we're missing something, we're missing the simple. We're missing something. We have to add in more passion projects. We got to add in a little bit more creativity. Where are the class, you know, do they know the rules? Have they practiced them? Have they, you know, been held accountable for them? Because if we keep adding individual plans, you're not going to remember them, right? Again, on top of the content, the standards, and everything else under the sun. So let's take it back a step. And that's oftentimes what I do. And it might not be eight. It might even be three. And I might say, hey, can we just have a conversation? I just have a few questions. Right. And we'll have a conversation about it. It's always better. Adding a new plan, if the kid needs it, I'm absolutely there. But a lot of times we can just take a step back and we can actually move a whole lot, you know, forward based on that. It's so smart. And so I, I want to go back in the eighties here and just say, duh. I mean, but it, make, it makes so much sense, but it does. It's, you know, in, in education, we talk so often about the pendulum that swings and how if we wait 20 years, what we did 20 years ago, we'll come back. And it, it's true, but I think it's true because oftentimes we jump right into what's new and we throw out what, what was good already. Um, we chase the, the new shiny trinket and we lose sight of what's what's simple and what works and just hold on to it. Um, and I mean, you just, <laughs> you nailed it. Just write it down, <laughs> make it simple. Like I'm thinking right now, we've, we've thrown out the word differentiation. And mm -hmm. instead of people truly diving into what does differentiation mean? What does it look like? We start to think, okay, that means every single kid has to be different. And I have to do something different for everybody because it's in our heads. That's the only way we can make sense of it. So then we go to that extreme and a year later we say that didn't work. So we go right back where we were as opposed to just find what works and right. keep going. Right. And I wow. think, I, again, I think one thing too, and I forget this even with myself and my own daughter is kids can have a bad day. Yes. Kids, kids are allowed a bad day. Grownups can have bad days. <laughs> You're allowed a bad day. Um, and so things will happen. And that's a lot of times where I'll get a call. I'll get a call after that one day. And that's my first question is was this just a bad day? And they might not know the answer, but I'll say, what, what's been going on the last two weeks? Well, nothing, it's been totally fine. All right, I need you to dig a little deeper then, find out what happened, what was different that day, because we know behavior is purposeful, it's serving a purpose, it's solving a problem. And for that day, <laughs> what, what he or she has been doing didn't work. So what else was missing? I'm not, you know, I, I share a quick example, a lot of trainings I do, I had a student who all of a sudden started biting. Okay, and team came, we need a plan, we need a plan. And I said, whoa, where did this come from? Come to find out he had four rotten teeth in the bottom of his mouth, two on each side. So there wasn't gonna be any intervention plan that was gonna help this student until he went to the dentist. And then the biting went away. So he had a bad day. Now we didn't just rest and say, well, he had a bad day because it was a significant you know, behavior. But if we hadn't dug a little deeper, none of the things we would have tried would have been effective. Yeah. So I think we, we want that answer. We live in this fast paced service delivery world where I want it now. If I can't get it now, I'm, I'm going to go find a way to get it now. And, and so I think it's just important that slowing down doesn't mean we're doing anything with less intent, with less heart, with less joy and care. 
but it actually means we're taking that moment to really do what is best because we're asking those questions that are going to get us that answer we're looking for. I feel like, number one, if I ever have an opening, I'm going to try to recruit you to leave New York and come to Michigan because you have all of the answers to all of the questions that that I would I would want to ask. So people that have ever that have listened to this podcast before might have heard me say that when I interview anybody for a job, whether it's an administrator, behavior analyst, counselor, teacher, pair pro, I only ask two questions. Anybody else can ask whatever questions you want. Two questions I ask are, who are you really? So tell me a little bit about yourself, which you nailed that one. And the other question I ask is, how do you know if it's been a good day or a bad day? Those are truly the only two questions I ask because I want to know whether or not they can reflect and look back and determine good, bad, or ugly. Mm -hmm. How do you determine if it's a good day or a bad day for you? Not necessarily for the kids, but when you're driving home at the end of the day, dealing with 10 schools and a whirlwind that you go through, do you have bad days? Or are you able to just say, no, it's all good. I'm helping people. So I don't have bad days, so I don't call them bad days. I have, I have uh, successful days and I have growth days. Okay. <laughs> so I will drive home and I will, I will reflect on my day. What went really, and I always start with celebrations. Anybody that knows me knows gratitude and celebrations are, are anchors for me. I celebrate the littlest things um, so much so that people make fun of me. And I'm like, it's okay. Because pretty soon you're going to be on the celebration train too. And they are usually within a couple weeks. Um, but I will drive home and I have about a 20 minute commute. So I will reflect on my day. I will reflect on how I'm feeling. Was it a successful day? What did I do really well? And then what can I grow from today? What was my growth moment? Where, you know, what did I not, you know, where didn't I shine? Where did I shine the brightest I can? And there's not something every day. And some days it's really hard to find the success and it's really easy to find the growth. Um, but I stopped looking at it at good or bad because just because of the nature of those definitions, mm -hmm. there's nothing bad about what I did. Everything I did was, was from me. So if I'm doing something bad, what does that say about me? So instead it's me, it's a hundred percent me. And I'm going to own everything I do. If it's a mistake, I'm going to own it as a mistake. If it's, if it was successful, I'm going to own it as successful and I'm going to share it and I'm going to teach it. But for me, if I just say it was a bad day and then I stay there, I don't think we can do anything. I, to me, clarity always comes from action. Change comes from action. So what am I going to do about it? Where, you know, if I sat in a meeting that I didn't voice my, didn't voice my opinion, where I sat back and I kind of let other people speak for me. Okay. So what am I going to do next time to make sure that doesn't happen? You know, sure. I could beat myself up about it. And I have years past. The reason I know this is effective for me now is because it's not what I did then. And, you know, I think that's the biggest learning point we all have is to learn from our experiences, which is going to change our behavior. What happens with a lot of our kids is they don't have learning experiences they can learn from yet, mm. especially if you teach younger kids. And so for us, sometimes we have to show them what those learning paths have been like, which means you have to know what they are, which means you have to have a relationship. So for me, that's why it all, it all relates together. Yes, I'm a behavior analyst, but the, the, at the foundation of who I am it's an educator and it's somebody that is looking to teach that every kid, every person has a choice and a voice and that they have to own the choice and the voice that they say to the world. And that's what I live every day. I, I got to ask you, are you able to walk on water? Because um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just listening to this. I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's just, you're amazing. Can you, can you turn water into wine? I mean, right. <laughs> what are the gifts do you have? <laughs> Um, so it's impressive is what it is. I, I'm imagining. So it, I, if I brought you into my school, my district to do a workshop or a conference with, with my teachers, 
number one, their mouth, their, their jaws are just going to be on the, on the floor saying, oh my gosh, so much truth, so much wisdom. But what would that look like? What does that look like? What, what is the, the thing that you try to instill into teachers wherever you go? Yeah, so I, I try to make it as, as relatable, right? Again, I want to model at all point in time. So I, I'm going to model what my goal is for them to go and do with kids. So it's, you know, very much, um, I want to say it's, it's interactive in a sense of I keep it, I try and use that element of surprise, element of suspense, right? Keeping them going, but really using a combination of teaching, of teaching my, through my experiences, through stories, through what I've learned, but also using some pretty powerful reflective questions. How does this relate to you? What can you take away from? What are, can you implement first? Because I think what often happens in trainings is that we hear it, we maybe take 10% of it, and then by the next week, we're like, where'd that packet go? Where's that PowerPoint? I know she said something, but I can't remember what it was. So for me, if you can do something with it in the moment, I think you're more likely than to remember it. And if for me, the doing might not be role-playing everything, it might not be acting out everything, but if you can make an immediate connection as to, oh, this is the kid that I'm thinking about in this moment, and this is how I'm gonna do it, then, then I, I believe they're gonna walk out of there feeling confident to do it. Because without, again, without that confidence, you're not gonna take that first step, just yeah. like our kids don't either. So my goal is to make it part, is, is one, it needs to be fun, it needs to be interactive, it needs to be something that's gonna be more engaging than someone pulling out their phone, opening their computer, um, which means it's gotta involve you know, excitement, slides, you know, music, me walking around. Because same thing with teaching, if, if we're not engaging, I can find something within arm's reach that's going to be more engaging than that. Right. Um, giving them that, that concept and that just that excitement that they can do it, that it's easy and simple, nothing complex. If it's complex, I don't want it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to share it. And just having this like reminder of why you went into teaching. No one went into teaching to learn the standards that I've ever met. <laughs> no one went into teaching to, you know, get a hundred percent of their kids to get 100% on the state test. Again, haven't met them. Maybe they're out there. My goal, number one people, is they wanted to teach kids. Mm -hmm. And so I want to reignite that, that excitement in, in the teacher, why you went into teaching. And if you can walk out with that, with some tangible tips and feeling good about it, then I've, then I've done my job. So I, I know you're not uh, an evaluator. You're not a teach, uh, uh, um, an administrator, but what what is that successful teacher you say that you know they they don't go into to necessarily master all the standards or to get 100 percent proficiency but yet that's how a lot of states now are identifying the master teachers if lindsay titus is going into a school and having to identify the best of the best what are you looking for so i'm looking for i'm looking for reflective qualities i'm looking for growth i'm looking for a set goal. I do believe there, there is goals, right? We have to know where we're at and we have to know where we're going and what's our plan to get there. And for someone that can own, this is what I'm, I'm awesome at and this is where I want to get better and this is how I'm going to do it. And I'm doing it through a way of I'm not letting the excuses hold me back. If I want to try something new, I want to try something new. If it doesn't work, I want to know the why. I want to know your reflection behind it so that what can we change next time so that it did work. And it does have to relate to the content. Absolutely. It's not just I'm going to show up and do this fun, fun activity because I think the kids might like it, you know, or benefit from it. You know, it's what are they going to learn? How does it impact them? How does it show them that there's value in what I'm teaching and what does it relate to? So I think for me, success is 
being able to set that goal, being able to work through it, and being able to receive feedback and having you know constructive conversations about where is it going, what's you know what what went well, what didn't, um, and really just being able to be a true leader in your classroom, which means you know learning is circular. Then I'm learning from my students and I'm teaching my students at the same time. Is the is the classroom all teacher based or is are the students speaking most of it? Are the students asking questions? Can they, do they have autonomy in the classroom? Are they learning mastery? Is their purpose? You know, if I go ask a student, hey, why do you guys think you're learning this? And they can tell me, well, because of course it relates to this and now we can do this. And did you know this is how you make that? And oh my, then I know that the teacher is getting to the kid. If they're saying, well, so we can pass the test next week. Then, then to me, we're at that beginning level. There's still room to grow. Not again. That's not that. That's not bad. That's baseline. Then we grow from there. Yeah. So I, I hope everybody that's listening to this just just really zeroed in on her definition. It wasn't about academic proficiency. That's a part of it. You want your kids to know things and to learn things and to grow things. Nor was it about having this classroom where it's just kids are compliant and sitting in their nice little neat rows and they're quiet. It was basically about the students being in control, the students running things without it being anarchy. Um, the students are there for a purpose, they understand the purpose, and they've bought in, they're working it, they're engaged, and the teacher's just that facilitator because they've established that trust and that relationship where they are a part of the class. It's not their class, they're a part of the class. Um, and getting to that level is truly masterful. And those, those teachers are rare, but you are out there trying to make make more of them. And I, I commend you for that. That's that's yeah. awesome. Um, and I know parents everywhere right now are saying, thank you. That's exactly what I want. I want my kid to be independent. You know, we, we focus as parents so often on having a kid today who's compliant and follows all of our rules. But our job as parents is really to make our kids independent. Our job mm -hmm. is to make it so that our kids can live without us. And yeah. that's the responsibility of teachers too, is to make sure that your students can continue to learn without you. And that yeah. is very hard to give up. So <laughs> amazing. So I, I got to ask you, Lindsay, I, I told you before we started that um, I ask every single one of my guests a question towards the end of the conversation. Um, and this is going to be hard for you, I, I have a feeling, because you have said some amazing things. I mean, my notebook right now is just filled with Titusisms. <laughs> um, you, you dropped so much truth. It's, it's ridiculous. And I'm going to go back and watch this over and over and over again. I'm wondering though, when people are listening to this, they might be on their way to work. They might be laying in bed. They might be on the lawn. Who knows what they're doing? And their mind is probably racing with a lot of truth as well. If you had to pinpoint one truth, one mic drop moment that you say, this is the thing I want you to zero in on, focus on this, put all those other distractions away. This is what it boils down to. What is your mic drop moment? <laughs> So I think for me, I'm a big language person. I love words. I love play on words and things like that. And so if you take the word you, Y-O-U, that's where define you came from. And oftentimes when I write educator, I take the you from the middle and I turn it into Y-O-U. You are the one that defines who you are. There is nobody else that gets to define who you are as a teacher, as a person, as a mom, as a wife, as a spouse, as a you fill in the blank. And I think the moment that we can learn to define who we are, from within, what we stand for, what we love, what we're or what our strengths are for, in not, instead of by the roles that we serve, I think that's where the magic happens. Because I'm going to serve multiple roles in a day. I'm going to do different things in a day. But in each one of them, I'm 100% me. And I own 100% of me. And nobody ever gets to take that away. 
The other way I look at it is you, you're an expert in a lot of things. As educators, we're experts in so many things, but we are only the expert on one thing and one thing only, and that is ourselves. We, I am the only expert there is of Lindsay Titus. And if I lose sight of that, then I start linking to anybody else that I can find. I start saying, well, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that. That's a good idea. I'll do that. And instead, when I own 100% of me, I can say, that's a good idea. Does that fit in with what I believe? That's a great idea. How can that work for me? I get to define who I am. No one else gets to do that for me. That might be the most masterful mic drop moment I've ever had. You literally took that entire conversation and you wrapped it up into one nice little package and said, here you go, everybody. If you didn't listen to the first half hour, just focus on this and you'll get the entire show. That was awesome. Well done. Well done. You know, I, I really do appreciate you taking time to connect with me. Uh, personally, I, I gained so much from this conversation. I know listeners out there are, are listening to this as well. If people want to connect with you beyond this, how do, how do they reach you? Absolutely. So I have, uh, so first I have a website, Define University, again, that Y-O-U. Uh, I also have a podcast, same, Define University with Lindsay, Lindsay Titus. Um, and on social media, I'm primarily on Instagram, lindsay.titus828. Um, I, I am over on Facebook as well. Just search Lindsay Titus and you'll find me. And all of those things are legit. I follow and subscribe to them all and am inspired all the time. So uh, I'll have all the links in the show notes, both on YouTube and on the podcast, wherever you're listening. So just click the links and follow along and continue to be inspired. Lindsay Titus, thank you again for being here today. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. I appreciate all of the amazing work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Did you enjoy this episode? I hope so. If you did, feel free to keep listening by subscribing right now to the Lasting Learning Podcast and get new episodes as soon as they're released. Interested in knowing more about me, Dave Schmidow? Well, feel free to find out what makes me tick by reading one of my books, Bold Humility or It's Like Riding a Bike. Feel free to check them both out on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or directly on my website, schmidow.net. That's S-C-H-M-I-T-T-O-U dot net.